0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all of right.
1: The Transfiguration. Uh, so, uh, I like to, If you have your Bibles, or Bible at Mark, mark it at Luke and Deuteronomy, and uh, let's, let's begin with our opening song. For is my Son, my Chosen One. Exalt the Lord our God and worship in His holy mountain. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not us. moments of a silent reflection of God's word, of word and self-examination.
2: listen to the old folks When they tell stories and crack jokes Didn't talk back to his mama When she got on to him
3: Oh, that's
2: just the way he was all his chores, for he could go outside and play. They always went to church, that's where he learned how to pray. Oh, that's just the way he was raised.
4: Chapter 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to the Mount Nebo in the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan. Nepali, the land of Ephraim, and Messina, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea the native, and the plain. That is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as over. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. There in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed, and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit and wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, and for all the mighty power, and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we read Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. And still so all peoples. For great is the steadfast love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and coming to His courts. Our official lesson is found in Hebrews chapter 3 and following. Therefore, holy brothers, You who who share in heavenly calling consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we are hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. This is the word of the Lord. And God. And we say Psalm 45. Hallelujah! you are the most handsome of the sons of men. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! alleluia. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured up on your lips.
1: No, no one in those days, any Your nails done, and you got toys. Yeah, I don't know about getting nails done. But that, sounds, that sounds pretty awesome. Anybody else? A long way. In fact, Mr. Phil read about him, about Moses in the Old Testament. And then there was Elijah. Elijah is one a person who never died. He went to heaven up in this with his horses and carriage. Fires. Kind of cool. And they were so excited they wanted it to never end. And so Peter says let's build some tents so that we can all stay here forever. But there was a problem. Like when you got done skating, what happened? go where? Home. Yeah, when you got your nails done, you're all done, where do you have to go? Home. Yeah, when, when land was over, I had to go home. And when James and my first date was, I had to go home. The things weren't done. Things weren't ready. Things weren't going to happen. You know what Jesus had to do? Jesus had to come down from that mountain and he went to Jerusalem and he died on a cross from you guys. For this guy over here me, and for all of them, and for everybody everywhere. And that's what Peter didn't realize at that moment. And that's the joy that we have. As we follow Jesus, we will follow him, not to the cross. Because he took care of that. We get to go to heaven. Isn't that cool? And that will never end. We get to stay there and have tons and tons of joy. My, there you go. Let's right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the wonderful experiences you allow us to enjoy as we walk each day with Jesus. Help us to follow him wherever he leads us. In Jesus' name, amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Let's sing our hymn of the day. where things get tough. God says to Moses, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So the servant Moses then dies, and God the Father buries him, and no one knows where he's buried. Anyway, he didn't die because he was sick or anything, and he was under 20 years old. That's what the Bible tells us. And his eyesight, it says he was undimmed, and his vigor was unabated. So the hardest thing to me is to wrap my head around is that all this all happened because Moses, Moses had one moment of weakness that upset God. After nearly leading nearly 40 years leading God's people, they arrived, and God's people, as they often did, were a little can- Because they didn't have water. And so they're kind of yelling at Moses, we need water. And so God says, speak to the rock, and it will pour out water for them to drink. But they're still growing, this is by the way, this is in Numbers chapter 20. And so they're there and they're still cranky. And Moses gets upset and he takes his rod and he hits the rock not once, but twice. And tells him to give water. And water comes out. But God says to Moses, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not thou, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given him. And he basically sentences Moses to death. And this is where I get in trouble because to me it sounds rather harsh that God would get upset because Moses took his staff and hit that rock twice instead of just simply saying I mean I understand God getting upset and wanting to punish Moses but doesn't it sound unfair? Am I the only one here who thinks that's really unfair? Everybody's saying "Yeah, I can't tell you yet a or yeah, pass you're all alone on that rock up there With you while agreeing with me up here. Um, But then I had to ask myself the question is it really unfair? Because this is how we're dealing with God. And the question I think is a lot simpler than was it really unfair? How much, the real question should be how much sin is too much? He didn't trust God's word and God's promises he flat out simply disobeyed God And so is any of that minor and I think if we're honest with ourselves we ought to say not at all there is no sliding scale of sinfulness when it comes to God not at all a person is either holy they're not they're either sinful or are they or not. There is no middle ground. And, and with this in mind, we can then see that God isn't being unfair with Moses, at all of fact, I think we have to admit that whatever God decides to do would be just and deserved and hard to argue against. And yet, I think it's still disturbing. I mean, I would love to tell you that it's because I have such high regard for Moses, and I do, but that's not why it really bothers me so much. It bothers me because I then have to acknowledge that God is justifying in calling for whatever punishment he deems right for Moses. And if that's true, then I'm actually saying that at the same time that God would be justified in calling down any kind of punishment. On me. This is my reality. This is your reality. It's our reality. But sometimes, and maybe you're likely this, I try to get around this reality. And if you try to try to do that, I try to convince myself that my sin is not so bad. Or at least not as bad as yours. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think, uh, Okay, the ones online watching. I like to think that my sins probably deserve some kind of punishment, but nothing really harsh. You know, I don't want any lashes. Um, but that's not reality. Moses is one of the greatest heroes of the faith that we find in any of part of scripture. In verse 10, verse 10, we learn that he was the guy whom the Lord knew faced. Even for him, for Moses, the wages of sin is death. Moses was kept from laying a foot onto the promised land. For us, the burden concerning our sins is that our sin should keep us from ever laying a foot in the true promised land, heaven. Our sin should keep us from ever seeing God face to face. Let that sink in for a minute. Sin. The punishment for our sins, sin is to never step into heaven, the true promised land. The punishment for our sin is never to see God face to face. The Lord buries Moses. No one knows where he's buried, and that is where the story should end for Moses. That should be all there is to say. Period. End the story. In other words, Moses is dead. He's buried. And if that was it, God would be justified, and for however hard we might think it, we could argue that God did did not do anything wrong. And here on Transfiguration Sunday, though, we get to witness something that is simply amazing. We get to see that there is more to this whole story. We get to see God's grace shine through brilliantly and beautifully. You see, the Transfiguration happens shortly before Jesus endures the events of Holy Week. And His ultimate plan of salvation unfolds like a flag before our eyes. Jesus is about the business of preparing His disciples for all that is about to happen. And this is the context in which we learn that in this incredible event, Jesus took Peter, James, John, they went to the mountain. praying, his appearance changes. His clothing becomes dazzling white. But he was not alone. Because here's where I think it gets truly amazing. Before him, our text says, behold, two men were walking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke to Jesus about his departure. In other words, going to Jerusalem, putting put on a cross, died for you and me. And Moses is there in glory. Remember, he's sinned, he's convicted, he dies, he's buried. Yet God brings him to this point in Jesus' ministry in all of glory. And what we see is God's plan for for all his people. And God's grace for sinners shining through, cutting through the shadows of death. We see that God never turned his back to Moses. That he never stopped knowing him face to face. And that not even death and the grave and Moses' sin could keep God from loving him. We are allowed, you and I, to see in that moment God's ultimate plan for you and me. We see the very reason Christ was born into this world We see why Christ died on a cross for sinners like us, who in no way, no way, deserve God's love. We see why Christ, though, rose boldly from the dead, never, ever to die again. And He did it all because He loves you, because He doesn't want to spend eternity without you. Because we need him to save us. Because you and I cannot do it by ourselves. And in the glorified Elijah and Moses, we see the power of God's grace and mercy. What it means is that Christ intervenes in such a powerful way in the lives of sinners. And what it really means is that Christ says, your sins are forgiven. Behold, I make all things when you and I read the story of the transfiguration, we are actually reading the story of our own redemption, our own forgiveness, and the new life that Christ won with his blood for you, for me, for our world. It's a beautiful thing, but the truth is, is that your transfigured life has already begun. It matters for your future, but it also matters right now. It matters today. You have the hope of God's plan for for you alive inside of you today. Hope. Sure and certain. Hope. Born on the cross. Hope. For folks like the disciples. Like Elijah. Like like Moses. Hope. Hope even for people like you. And this leads us, I pray, to live differently today. To share the love of Christ in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in the world. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we may not totally understand all that goes on in your world. We are so grateful for the story of the transfiguration. The redemption of Moses the redemption laid out for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Peace rise. This morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at the second article of the Creed as, as we, we speak it and as we respond to what it means. The second article, I believe. In their communities. Accompany and protect armed forces deployed across the globe wherever nations are in conflict. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. as three disciples on the mountain where heavy was sleep, surround people who are tired, poor, sick, or lonely, with faith-filled medical personnel, friends and family who seek to meet their needs. We pray silently now for those near, dear. use us as part of your answers to their prayers of the Father to bring about strength, health, security, and companionship. Lord, in your mercy, in our prayer. Lord Jesus, you accompany the disciples as they return to, uh, to the others. Be among your church as it gathers anywhere around the world and sacrament. Bless your church and give your people courage and opportunity to spread the news of your death for our sins and your resurrection on the third day for our salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Into your gracious hands, Heavenly Father, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We sing our God. With for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it and remember to me. As often as we eat this bread and, and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. 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 Jesus. O Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, And you're sent in heaven. And you're coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father. Thank you for his sake that you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you through Jesus Christ, your Son our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The blessing of God Almighty the Father, who created us with the Son, who redeemed us in the Holy Spirit, who has bestowed faith on us, be with you today and always. Amen. Luke writes that after the transfiguration, the three disciples kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Because we know about our Lord's resurrection, we cannot keep silent. But during the season of Lent, which begins this Wednesday, we shall mute our liturgical praises, refrain from singing, our hallelujahs until our Easter celebration. So let us raise our voices and sing our farewell to that song of gladness now. That what Dave just spoke about, so that if you if you start praying now and you get that phone call, you can just say yes. As God leads you to. Or no, but how about this? Look at it a positive right here. I'll put that. Uh, other announcements? Sandy. We would like people to think about helping us with this convenience. We
0: need sign-ups for that first of all, our priority is this walkway area to be here to get all cleaned up, nice and clean. Rachel and I are meeting this process.
1: So we sign up for that, and we to get it be done by Jesus person. So we need all your help. What signed. you You heard everybody sign up. Anything else? Um, one last thing, and then we'll head we'll out or head out of the direction we're mm-hmm. going. So on Thursday we had our first DBS meeting. So we're ready to start Vacation Bible School, which is scheduled for the 13th um, through whatever that Friday is in June. Uh, it's the week that the school's out. So there are so many different things you can do behind the scenes, and so many things you can do in playing and leading the kids. Um, so if you have any questions. Um, Jason has the signer sheet. Jason also, I think, has some ministry, um, descriptions of all the different positions and stuff we have. Um, we're hoping we're, we're for 100 plus kids again. Um, and we're hoping for twice the amount of helpers that we had last year. Um, so that we can spread throughout, if you will. So pray about that also, please. There's so much that you can do. We're starting right now. Decorating stuff is being made now. So, yeah, if, if you. Like that and sign up for that, and Rachel will give you a call for that. With that, if y'all want to say, Alleluia, one more time, Alleluia. Alleluia. Let us go in peace and serve our Lord. Oh, I should say, Ash Wednesday is 7 o'clock worship service. Sorry about that. This this Wednesday, 7 o'clock.